You're listening to a message from Victory Christian Center in Farmer City, Illinois. For more information on Victory, please contact us at vccfarmercity.org. Well, good morning. Welcome to church this morning. So we've been in a series. We've been talking about being led by the Spirit of God, how to be led. And in that series, we were going through, we, well, we were in Romans chapter 8 a lot. But in Romans chapter 8, we saw that uh, the two most primary ways he leads us, often and most commonly by the inward witness, and that is through life and peace, or quickening is the old English word, quickening and peace. And I, I resisted a lot I wanted to say on peace because I wanted to hang on to it and save it. And that's where I want to go this morning is I want to back up to that word peace. And I just want to talk about peace for a while. I'm, and it, it, it was more than just a, a little side thought in a message. It's a, it's a message in its own right. And so I held on to it for this morning. If you brought your Bible, uh, open it to Philippians chapter 4. That's where we'll start. We're going to go from there to Peter to the Gospels. We're going to jump around a little bit. But I want to start in Philippians chapter 4, reading in verse 6. So this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church, and that's us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, don't overlook that part, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. So, going back to verse 6, do you notice in this verse that uh, he's using absolute terms? They're, they're, they're not in any way gray. They're very black and white. Um... For example, he didn't say, be anxious for nothing, you know, most of the time. He didn't say, in most situations, by prayer and supplication, you know, or with thanksgiving, if you're in the mood that day. No, everything in this verse is absolute. There are no exceptions to this verse. He says, in all situations, in every situation. No matter what the situation is that has reared its ugly head in your life that might cause you to want to be anxious or get you going, he says in every situation, he says, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then he does attach a promise that if we will do verse 6, then there's a promise in verse 7. It says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. This goes beyond what you understand with your mind about peace. That's because it's more than a natural thing. Peace is a spiritual force. It's a fruit of the Spirit, for one thing. But there is a spiritual element to peace that goes beyond what you understand with your mind. It, it, it goes beyond understanding. But that peace of God will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. So notice the peace of God is not a passive thing. It's an active thing. Notice what it's doing for you. The peace of God is guarding your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's a bigger deal than I think a lot of people have realized. 
I'll go so far as to say, I think I see some things, and I'm pretty sure it's a bigger deal than I've realized. That I'm, I'm seeing some things that I'll share this morning, but I just, you ever just get that knowing? I'm seeing some stuff, but I've not tapped it. I don't have all of it. There's more. There's always more. There's always layers. But there's a lot going on here that uh, I don't think a lot of people have realized. But I want to point out verse 6. What's the qualification? I'll start right at the beginning. Uh, be anxious for nothing. That's the qualification. Let me read this in the, uh, the Amplified. It says, Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Again, absolute terms. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. So I see in this. Now, what I'll say is this two verses here that uh, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, that's not an isolated thing. You know, sometimes there might be a verse in the Bible that just kind of slid in there and it doesn't really seem to connect to anything else. Um, this is not that. This is a theme through the Bible. Let me show you another passage. We'll leave uh, Paul and go to Peter. First uh, Peter chapter 5 and verse 6. Here's what uh, the Apostle Peter writes. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, comma, he's still talking, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Again, absolute terms. This time he's saying all those cares that we get confronted with in this life, the cares we're tempted to carry, he says no. Um, cast all of them on him, for he cares for you. I think one way you can read that is he does the caring for you, not you. And he didn't say cast most of them, cast the easy ones, or if you're the other kind of person, you cast all the easy ones and keep the hard ones for yourself, right? No, he said all. Cast all your cares on him. What's that tell us? There is not a care in this life that you are authorized to carry. He said cast them on him. Big, little, fat, skinny, ugly, hairy, whatever the care looks like that comes along in your life. And usually cares aren't pretty things, so they're bad things, and so that's why I'm, okay, they can be hairy. Cast them on. Cast all of them over on God. Um, let's look at verse 7 again in the Amplified. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all, on Him. For He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Are you kind of getting the vibe here? Every care, no exception. Once and for all. Don't pick them up again. Don't take them back. You gave them to him to carry. Don't be pulling them back. Um, verse 7 out of the Passion Translation says, Pour out all your worries and stress upon him and leave them there. For he always tenderly 
cares for you. So to summarize, we've seen what the Apostle Paul wrote. Now the Apostle Peter's just kind of doing the same thing. Be anxious for nothing. Um, Don't have any fret or anxiety about anything. But when those things present themselves in your life, and they will, we live in a fallen world. So when they present themselves, here's how we handle it. Uh, We go into the prayer closet. And we make our petitions known to him. We cast all of our anxieties, worries, concerns, stresses. We cast them all on him. And we leave them there. If you actually do what these verses say, how much will you be anxious about in this life? Um, How much worrying will you do? How much stress... Will you be carrying on your body in this life? Okay, let's go one further. I I brought in the Apostle Paul. I added the Apostle Peter. Um, Let's add in the the high high priest of our... He's he's not the high apostle. I wanted to call Jesus an apostle, in which he stood in that office. But it's the great high priest. Anyway, never mind. Let's go look at Jesus. See what he said. I'll first go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6 verse 25. Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, I'm just, this is a familiar passage. Many of you have probably read it many times. I'm not going to read all the way through it. But if you were to keep going five times, he says, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, when Jesus looks at us and says, do not worry about your life or the things in your life. Now, is that really, is it just kind of a suggestion? Is it just, you know, it would be a good idea, maybe give it a try, you know, if you're feeling it that day. Um, Are these really just life goals that, you know, kind of point yourself in that direction and give it your best shot and maybe over the course of life before you're done you'll attain a few times or something like that? No, no. Could it be that Jesus said what he meant? And meant what he said. And that we can just read this as it's written and just say, you know what? He told me not to worry about my life. Maybe the answer is, I'm not supposed to worry about my life. I'm not supposed to let these things mess with me. Question, and don't answer out loud. But from your observation, Are most Christians living this way? Are they living care, can I say this, carefree, anxiety-free, stress-free? Not because those things just don't happen, but because they've learned how to just give them to God and not carry that. Have most Christians, maybe I should say, let's look in the mirror, am I living that way? Am I living carefree, anxiety-free, stress-free, not because I have any lack, but because when those things come along, I cast them over on the Lord. Am I living this? Now, there are some who would tell you, 
I worry about things because I care. I worry about what's going on in your life because I love you and I care about you. If I didn't worry about you, that would mean I don't love you and I don't care. Well, that's I've heard people say that, and that's 180 degree opposite of what the Bible teaches. It's actually the opposite. Do you know what the reality is? The latest medical research, and this, there's more stuff coming out all the time, but the latest medical research is beginning to prove that you can't carry it. It will kill you. Last I heard, now you can correct me if I get this off, i got a couple of medical professionals in the room, but I saw a study that they're now over 75% of the diseases and things that we fight in this world are stress-related. They go right back to stress and how we carry it. It was an alarming number. It, it was a lot. Um, they are now proving that when you carry stress, it weakens if not destroys your immune system. It breaks down your body, causes you to age prematurely. It literally takes years off your life. That's what stress is doing to you physically when you carry it. And the harder you carry it, the more effect it has on you. You know what the bottom line is? Um, I'm thinking God knew this when he told us don't do it. Why? You weren't made to handle it. God did not design your body to carry stress. That's why he said, cast that on me. I'm caring. I care for you. You're not designed to handle it. Physically. We're not supposed to. So I say this kind of boldly, and maybe not to anyone individually. Don't, don't get your gander up. But I would say this. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much word you know. I was praying you do. If you carry worry and care and anxiety and stress, it will wear you down. It will take years off your life. And it will make you a pill to be around for the rest of us. Stop it. No one likes to be around that person. Figure it out. So, no, don't do it. Now, I'm in Matthew. I want to jump over to John. John's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 1. Once again, Jesus, and let's see if he's being plain spoken. Verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Well, that's pretty cut and dry. And I have heard, oh, I don't want to go down that road, but I actually was reading a book one time, and I read an author get off on this verse and totally dismantled it and undid everything Jesus was trying to say and put it all back on him and not on you. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to tell you what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm like, no. Jesus said what he meant and meant what he said. He did not make the Bible so hard that we couldn't understand it. The Bible is simple. We can read this at face value. He says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That word heart is the Greek word cardia. And I, I didn't confirm this, but it sure sounds like where we get the word cardiac. That's a heart-related word. But it's the Greek word cardia. It means inner man. Now, it can be sometimes specific to soul. It can sometimes be specific to spirit. But it will always mean inner man. And many times it means both. You kind of got to judge your context. But it's the inner part of you. And he's saying, 
Don't allow your inner man to be troubled. Don't do it. Now, since we're reading it at face value, what's one thing we can see right off the top from this verse? Let not your heart be troubled. (laughs) It's the choice. You choose whether or not you allow your heart to be troubled. It's not beyond your control. It is absolutely within your control. Otherwise, Jesus would have been unfair to tell us to do something that was beyond our control. That's why I said face value. So whether or not our heart is troubled is a choice. Are you with me? Now, I want to jump down to verse 27 because he's saying the same thing again that we read a minute ago. Down in verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. See, there's, there's the promise part. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. It's a choice. Now, if we choose to obey the let not your heart be troubled part, then just like the Apostle Paul was telling us, that lets the peace step in and begin to do a work in us that is beyond natural. It's a spiritual work that peace will do in us. But we've got to get the first part right. But that, that, that's so huge. and I, That's the part I kind of want to study. But we'll get there. But Jesus said, my peace, his peace. Now, I don't know if there's different, different people's peace. I don't know. But he's, he drew our attention. He says, my peace. That almost gives me the picture of the peace that he walked in when he was on the earth. The peace that enveloped him when he went through his entire life and ministry here in the earth. And he says, my peace. I'm giving that peace to you. I don't know. I kind of thought all peace was good, but this makes it sound even better. It's Jesus' peace. When we look in the Gospels, did Jesus live in a state of peace when he was in the earth? I mean, now, is it because his whole life was just carefree and was it rainbows and lollipops? Just everything was easy and he floated through life on clouds of candy? I don't know. No. He went through some stuff. He had this group of religious leaders who wanted to kill him. They were constantly trying to trap him and to catch him and accuse him of stuff. You know, um, there was that whole crucifixion thing. <laughs> that was a stressful night where he had to manage stress. And how did he manage that stress? Like the Apostle Paul said, he went and he went to Garden of Gethsemane, got on his knees, and he began to pray. So, while we do have pictures of Jesus dealing with a lot, he always seemed to manage it well. There is one time that's really interesting to me, and I'm, it's one I continue to study, because it's just, there's so much going on in there. But he had, he had just fed the 5,000 plus women and children with bread. And then that was the night where he sent the, he was trying to get home. And he sent the disciples on the boat, sent them back to Capernaum. He goes on a mountain to pray. Now it's midnight. The boat's gone. He wants to go home. What's the shortest path between two points? A straight line. So what's the quickest way to get home and get in your own bed at night? Walk a straight line from your where you are to your home. Just so happened that straight line was across the Sea of Galilee. 
So what's Jesus do since there's no boat there? He's walking home. So he's walking across the water. There's a storm brewing. The boats are not, they should have been there by now, but they're only halfway across the lake. And that's when the whole incident with, oh, ghost. No, it's Jesus. No, it's really you. Tell me to get out of the boat. You know, that whole incident happened. I'm, I'm, I'm taking too long. So they get to Capernaum. It's a fun story. But they get to Capernaum. They all sleep. They get up the next morning. And now all these Pharisees are like, where'd Jesus go? You know, we got a free meal out of him yesterday. He, he fed all of us with a few loaves of bread. We, I want to do that again. And they chase him down. They find him in Capernaum. And they start talking to him about that bread. And they start reminding him about manna. You know, God, God fed our fathers with bread in the desert. Jesus, Son of God. How about some more of that bread? It's almost like they're thinking, we don't have to work anymore. He's got this never-ending supply of bread. And so they're trying, trying hard to talk to him about bread. And they're talking about their forefathers and manna in the desert. And Jesus is like, man, you missed the point. And there's this weird conversation going on where he tries to shift their attention to something spiritual. And he's trying to get the point across, you don't need natural bread. You need spiritual bread. And my words are spiritual bread. Just as that natural bread feeds your body, my words are feeding your spirit. Now, I'm jumping to the end. That's the point he's trying to make. But he took a really colorful way to get there. He starts talking about eat my flesh. And they start freaking out. They're like, I think he's talking cannibalism. This guy has lost it. We're just looking for a little manna. And he starts talking weird stuff. And this whole weird situation happens to the point that the Pharisees get mad. I think they leave. I'm not quite sure. But you go back and read. It says, from that day forward, a whole bunch of his disciples, now not the 12, but that outer layer of a 100 or so that just followed him everywhere, said a whole bunch of them went home and did not follow him anymore. They just bailed on him. They're like, I think he's lost it. He's talking cannibalism. And a bunch of them just get up and start walking. And Jesus yells, wait, come back. I think you misunderstood me. No. He watched him walk. He had hundreds unsubscribed from his email list that day. He had people unfriending him on Facebook left and right. Lost hundreds of Instagram subscribers that day. Just gone. And he didn't say a word. You know what he did say? He turned to the twelve. Said, you leaving too? This Jesus. He says, you going too? And I, I'm paraphrasing. I think I'll get this right. But it was Peter that looked at him and said, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. And he was right. But that whole day, he knows they're walking away. And they're not, gonna, they're not coming back. I'm losing followers today. 
they misunderstood me. They're thinking wrong things about me. And he just let them walk. He didn't chase them down. He didn't send out a letter. He didn't make an internet apology. Nothing. Just let them go. I find that so interesting. So, in that respect, how would you handle it? If people get mad at you or misunderstand you or start walking away from you, what if they start saying things about you behind your back that you know aren't true? Our nature, we, we like to be liked. And so we tend to get concerned. Maybe even start to get anxious. Maybe fret a little bit. Start thinking, what will people think about me? You know, is that what Jesus did? This is it's kind of a weird little incident. But no, that's not what he did. He was not too concerned. He didn't yell, quick, Peter and John, chase them down. John, you go, you're the fastest. That was youth message last week. If you go back to the resurrection morning, remember in the Gospel of John, it says that Peter and the disciple who Jesus loved ran to the tomb to go check, and he made sure that we all knew that John outran Peter. <laughs> so that's where that came from. That was last week's youth message. But anyway, no, Jesus did not get worked up. I wonder what was going through the disciples' minds. Now, I'm just hypothesizing. I'm guessing. I don't think Scripture tells us this. I'm just guessing. I wonder if the disciples are sitting there, and they're hearing Jesus speak, and they listen to the crowd. They listen to Jesus. They watch the crowd getting upset, and they saw people just turn around and start walking away. And I wonder if the disciples are thinking. Maybe they're in the middle understanding, here's what he said, here's what they thought. He's doing nothing about it. I don't think he knows they misunderstood him. He is watching them walk away, and he's doing nothing about it. And I'm thinking Judas might be thinking, oh, this is going to hurt the offerings. They're all leaving. What, what are we going to do? If they get too small, they'll notice when I take money out. <laughs> that was Judas. I don't know. I'm hypothesizing. What are we going to do? And I wonder if they're thinking, oh, Jesus can be so naive sometimes. He must not understand what's going on. Otherwise, he'd be doing something about it, right? Now, I don't know. I'm just hypothesizing. Maybe they didn't think anything like that. I don't know. But I'll say this. If you and I really do Walk in love like the Bible tells us to, with people, and not just the ones that treat us nice. But if we really take Jesus' words to heart and we walk in love with people, you know, and bless those that persecute us, pray for those who spitefully use us, all that. If we're really walking by faith, as the Bible teaches, and if we really cast all of our cares, and I mean all, care comes along, we go before God, we give it to Him, we leave it, we walk away, we live in peace, without care, without... If we really do all this, there's going to be people around you who think you're naive. 
Why? You're not acting right. Don't you understand what's going on in your own life? How oblivious are you? You should be worked up about this. Don't you understand? How naive are you? They, especially the world, they don't live that way. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians will not understand your behavior. Why aren't you worked up? Don't you understand? How naive. And then you add one more layer to that. And if you're still still dealing with pride in you, then them thinking you're naive and oblivious will offend your pride. Now you got a whole other thing to deal with. Understand, if you're walking in love, walking in faith, casting your cares and living in peace, people are going to think you're not right. You just don't understand. You're not seeing it the way it is. You are naive. You should just understand that. So, go back to verse 27 again. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Can we really do this? Well, the answer is yes. Um, one thing I'll point out, your flesh might not like it. Anytime there's this choice like this, your flesh is going to want to worry. Your flesh is going to want to be anxious. Your flesh is going to want to get stressed out. Your mind's going to want to analyze every possible outcome from here to eternity of how this might play out and what the best way to go is when at the end of the day all he told us to do is give it to him. Trust him to lead you. Trust him to guide you. And rest in peace. That takes faith. See, going into the closet's one thing and saying, God got this issue going on. I'm sure you're aware, but let's talk about this. Here's all the things going on in my life. Now, I'm casting these things to you. I'm not going to carry this. And I'm trusting you to show me the steps I need to take to lead me through and out the other side. I'm trusting you to guide me. See, it's connected to being led. But then faith is, he's going to do it. Um, Throw Mark eleven twenty four on the screen. I may be a little out of order, but put it up there anyway. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So if you are believing, he heard my prayer, he's going to show me the steps to take, he's carrying this, not me, then you're going to walk out of that closet and step into peace. The reality is your mind is going to want to keep going. Your flesh, your heart can be settled, but your flesh is going to want to get right back into it. And so there will be a point where you have to tell your flesh, no. You have to tell your mind, no. We're not going to worry about this. We're not going to fret about this. We're not going to play the mind games for the next three hours. No. I have cast this on the Lord. And you're going to have to Discipline your flesh. Train your mind to quiet down. And choose not to let your heart be troubled. It's a choice. Okay. I'll say this. And I've said this often because it fits all over the place. Anytime 
Jesus gives you a command, the power to do it is inherent in the command. Back to Peter walking on the water. I'm pretty sure up until that night on the boat, he had never walked on water. Pretty sure he sank every time he got on water. But that night, Jesus said, come. The power for him to walk on water was in the command. When Jesus looked at him and said, come, now it's there. And now he can step into it. When Jesus looks at us and says, do not let your heart be troubled, now there's power to obey. Or it would be an unfair command. So I could put it this way. There's grace for that. There's grace and anointing you can tap into to help quiet your mind and to quiet your body so that you can obey. So he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That word troubled there means to stir up, to agitate. It's the same word in John chapter 5. Remember the story of the pool of Bethesda? And there was the pools with the five porches. And every once in a while, I don't know how often, an angel would come down and stir the water and the first one in got healed. That word used in John 5, the angel stirred the water. That's the same word. The angel agitated the water. He would get the water stirred up and cause what was still to begin to move. He's troubling the water. I think there's translations to say it that way. An angel would come down and trouble the water. It's the same word. So when he says, don't let your heart get troubled, he's saying, don't let your heart get agitated and stirred up and moving when it should be calm. It's that, that same word. We might use the word disturbed. Don't let your heart get disturbed. Or maybe we would just use the word upset. Don't let your heart get upset. Have you ever done that? Don't answer that. <laughs> We've all done that. Let your, your heart get all upset and get troubled. But you could word it that way. Don't let your heart get upset. Hmm. What kind of things? See, the world probably gets upset about all kinds of things. But now Christians, we only get upset about the really important things, Right? The, the big things in life. We don't let little things mess with us, right? Right? Just agree with me. Right? Right? We don't get upset about little things like, I don't know, the price of gas or the guy that just took my parking spot and now I got to go out to the back 40 and have a long walk into the store or uh, who won the sporting event or someone forgot my birthday. No, 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 we don't get upset at things like that, right? Just big things, right? No, he said, let not your heart be troubled. I don't want to go down this path real far. I could, but I, 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 I don't want to necessarily recognize that even whether it's big things or little things, you have an enemy who's trying to bait you to get you upset. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago. Just as God has a plan for your life, so does the devil. Now, his plan is simpler, anything other than God's plan. <laughs> and he'll take what he can get. And any way he can get you to get off of God's plan for your life, he's happy with that. Well, here's what I was kind of thinking about this. So, God knows that he has told you, uh, 
Don't let your heart be troubled. We know that Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. There's also a devil who knows that we have been told, let not your heart be troubled. So what do you suppose he's going to try and do in our life? He's going to try and work circumstances to get us into a position where we are tempted for our heart to be troubled. Because he knows if he can get us troubled and carrying that care and carrying that stress and anxiety, we're in disobedience. To him, it's an open door to get us off track. So you need to recognize he will work in whatever way he can to give you all kinds of temptations to be troubled, to be anxious. And a lot of times it is those little things. Sometimes they're not coincidence. In fact, I really, the more I study scripture, the less I even believe in the word. He's working to get you into a place where he can get you troubled. He's trying. Are, are you with me? Now, I'll say this. Um, he's not omniscient. God, God knows everything about you. He made you. He knows things about you you haven't learned yet. And he knows his plans for you, and he's omniscient. He knows everything. Now, the devil is smart, kind of. He actually thinks he can defeat God. That's not a definition of smart. Okay, no. But he's been around a long time, and he's really good at what he does, and he knows human nature pretty good. All right. So that being said, he's not omniscient. So he doesn't necessarily know what you're made of. So he tests it. He'll bring up a little something to try and trip you up and get you anxious. And if you don't respond to it, all he can think is, oh, that didn't work. Let's try something else. And he'll go somewhere else. And he'll keep working and working until he finds something that just trips your trigger. He'll look for something that pushes your buttons. And then guess what he does? Then he pushes your buttons. And he'll keep working on it. And he'll keep... You ever notice in some people's lives, there's that one thing that just really seems to get their goat, and it just happens to them all the time. And it never happens to you. Not that you would care, but, you know... Again, that's not coincidence. He's found something that trips them up, and he just keeps bringing it and bringing it and bringing it. That's how he works. See, he's not omniscient, so he has to use trial and error. Now, he can make some pretty good guesses based on thousands of years of human nature, but you're unique. You are your own thing, so he works at it. But we need to recognize that. There is an element, and I've thought about this, even if on the inside of me, because this is something I've come to realize, he does not read your thoughts. God does. The devil can't. He listens to your words very closely. He watches your actions very closely. He doesn't know your thoughts. And so he could bring something along, and on the inside you're just raging. You want to respond. But you learn just to keep that under control. You keep that under wraps. You discipline your flesh. 
and you don't let your heart be troubled. You take that to the prayer closet, and he views it as, oh, that didn't work. I really do wonder. There's things that typically would get your goat, but when you learn to do what Jesus is saying here, he doesn't know the difference. And he actually backs off of those a little bit. Why? They never work. See, there's more to this. Life is not coincidence. There's so much going on. So many people can be so easily misled just by the little things in life. How many people have their day ruined before they even make it to work? Are you, are you kidding me? Maybe before the day even started, the alarm didn't go off. That happens. It also happens that you were so asleep you didn't hear it, and the rest of the house did, but that's once in a while. Sometimes the alarm just doesn't go off. Maybe you, maybe you have a coffee pot on a timer, and for some reason that didn't set right. Maybe power went off in the middle of the night and reset your coffee pot, and all of a sudden, instead of waking up to the smell of coffee, you got cold water. I don't know. Maybe it was someone else's job to make the coffee, and they didn't do it. Well, that's a whole other conversation. Hmm. Maybe, this is dangerous, maybe someone didn't cook your bacon right. Maybe you prefer the crispy bacon and they made it soft. Or maybe you like the soft bacon and they made it crispy. Or maybe they burnt the bacon. I, I don't know. Maybe that messes up your day. Maybe your hair just will not do what you want it to and you just know, i got a bad hair day coming. Yeah, gonna have to gonna have to tie it up. I'm gonna do something. Just it will not cooperate. Maybe you go to grab clean clothes out of the dryer, and that shirt you pull out of the dryer comes out with a spot on it. I've been there. I still have not figured out where those spots are coming from. I don't know if it's the wash machine or the dryer. I don't know what it is, but I got shirts with spots on them. That whole other story. Been there. Maybe your wash machine doesn't do that. Good for you. <laughs> Mine does. I don't know why. Maybe, I don't know what you were thinking. I don't know why you did it, but you decided to get on the scale. And it was three pounds higher than you wanted it to see. And that just ruined your day. I don't know. All kinds of things could happen. Maybe everything just messed up the morning, and now you get in the car, and you're trying to get to work, and don't get me started on other drivers and traffic and the stoplights and the crazy how many people, their whole day is ruined before 8 a.m.? Why? Big things? No, these are like everyday things. I don't know what your house looks like in the morning. Mine can be hectic. But how are you managing? Are you letting those things get you worked up? Because you do have an enemy. Or are you choosing not to let your heart get troubled? Just choosing to stay in peace, give it to God, choosing to live in your own little happy, naive, peaceful world. How about that? Hmm. Well, I'm going to find a way to wrap this up. Can I say this? Some people, not us, live in a perpetual state of being upset. And I really do think to a degree 
the devil's got him right where he wants him because he's already figured out what buttons to push and he's just pushing them all the time and they get upset all the time and they're just living there. That's their life. The problem is, if we do that, then we're not living in peace because you can't be anxious and upset and agitated and stirred up and be in peace at the same time. And in order to not be in peace, you had to have ignored the command to not let your heart be troubled. So you yielded to the anxiety, you yielded to the cares, you yielded to being upset. So by by connection then, you're not walking in faith. You're, you're not walking in agreement with scriptures, you're kind of charting your own course, living in the anxiety. And the Bible says we're to walk by faith, but you're being moved by the things you see, by the circumstances, by all the things that are happening, not by his word. Here's one of the problems with that. That's no different than how the unsaved live. And we're not supposed to live like mere men, the Apostle Paul said. You're supposed to look different. One of the aspects of that peace you live in is a sign for the people around you. You're supposed to look different. It's supposed to be one of the many calling cards in your life, the conversation starters, when the people around you ask you, why are you always so calm? How do you not get worked up? Do you not understand? Maybe the naive conversation, I don't know. We're not supposed to look like the world. We're not supposed to handle things like the world does. We're supposed to be different. Amen. So Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. So the bottom line is, we need to live a lifestyle of peace. A lifestyle of not letting my heart get troubled. Taking all of my cares and anxieties to the Lord in prayer. Trusting that he's going to answer that prayer. And he's going to lead me and guide me. And you come out of that prayer closet determined to stay in peace. I want to give an example, and there's so many we could give. I want to try to give one, and then we'll just close. And I want to just keep a general one. I don't want to get too, spef- too specific. But let's just pick something that a lot of people either are, have been in or can relate to. How about financial pressure? Maybe you're at a time in life where your finances are under pressure and, and uh maybe there's big debts that have to be paid. I don't know what the case may be, but we've all faced different degrees of that. You know, the the details may be different, but the scenario is the same. And there's some people that get this idea that if I can just work hard and power my way through this, that eventually at some point when I get all this paid off and I get all these things that I want and I can almost a retirement picture, at some point, someday I can get to a point where all this is behind me and then I can live in peace. And that's completely backwards. You may never make it to the peace because that's not the picture he painted. He said on the front side, when we're looking at all these situations that are causing us to be anxious or stressed out or our mind wondering, how am I ever going to make it? In that point, we go before the Lord and we lay it all out and we give it all to Him. And then we recognize, now God, I'm trusting you to guide me. 
Show me the steps to take. Show me the job. Show me the opportunities. Maybe I need to sow a seed. Whatever the details are, and it's not cookie cutter. Lord, I'm trusting you to give me the steps I need to take that you can help me navigate, bring me out the other side, and I can have all this behind me. But now, at the amen, when you come out of the prayer closet, that's when you step into peace. And you don't worry, and you don't fret, because you're in faith, believing he's heard your prayer, he's carrying all of that for you, and he's going to show you the steps to take. So you have no reason to be worked up, no reason to be stressed. Why? You're trusting him. So the peace is now all the way through the storm, not at the end. Do you see the difference? And look at all that stress that you will not put on yourself and you'll not try to carry and you'll not shorten your life. You'll not open the door to all kinds of stress-related diseases. Rather, you just choose. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled and I'm going to walk in the peace it's kind of like the Psalms. This ring a bell? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's the same picture. Yeah, I'm walking through some stuff, but I fear no evil. I'm walking through the stuff in peace because I know my God is leading me through. Does that make sense? All right. I think that's where we're going to stop. <laughs> I'm looking at my notes and I look down and it says shut up <laughs> and I'm like really I had to back up and read the sentence before it it says you have to pull yourself together and say to your flesh shut up <laughs> that's the context <laughs> I choose not to let my heart be troubled I will be careful for nothing amen amen stand to your feet